Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are here with our 2022 fall book preview. I found quite a bit, so I'm interested, of course, to compare notes with Gail and see if we have any overlap. I think we have somewhere between 16 to 20 books to share with you, depending on where our final lists make it. And then we haven't been on for a while. Like we've been a little bit sporadic. We're trying to get back regularly. I've had some like health stuff pop up. So we haven't been able to find as much time. But <laughs> I was just talking to uh, the woman who edits the podcast this morning. And she's just like, you keep mentioning your book club and you're doing it next week. <laughs> <laughs> the book club. We're not going to have time today because it's the fall <laughs> preview show. But next week, definitely. Gail and I said we were going to discuss memoirs. And we're going to finally do this book club. I mean, we have to. That has to be the next thing we do. Yes, I agree. So, Gail, why don't you start us off with what you've been reading? You say you've been reading quite a bit, and why don't we do some fun? You've read some some high-profile books. Did you like them? Were they worthy? A couple were, and a couple were not. So I went on vacation. I took a big stack of books with me, and I had, I'd say, mixed success with the ones I brought. I'll start with the ones I really liked. I liked French Braid by Ann Tyler, which is her latest release, came out this year. And I really liked that one. And I feel like, you know, Ann Tyler is generally pretty dependable. You kind of know what you're going to get. It's usually a family drama. It's usually set in Baltimore. I've had kind of mixed luck with her. Sometimes I've really liked it. Sometimes I haven't. This one I really enjoyed. And, you know, once again, it's a story of a family, uh, three kids, and it just tracks them over time. Not a lot of, you know, dramatic plot twists, not a lot of big reveal moments, but it's just, you know, one of those deep character studies that she's so good at and she delves into family relationships so well. So I just, um, I really like this one. I actually gave this one five stars, which as you know, I don't do very liberally. And this one was really good. So if you're an Ann Tyler fan, you've read her stuff in the past and you have been curious about this one, I would definitely recommend going for it. Then there was another one that I read that was really weird, but in a good way weird. It was called One's Company by Ashley Hudson. And it's about a woman, she's in maybe her 20s, and she's had a lot of trauma in her life. And her parents have died. And then she was kind of adopted by into her best friend's family by her best friend's parents. And then they died. And she kind of witnessed some trauma. And as a result, she's just very withdrawn. You know, she's she's traumatized. Like, that's the best word, word I know how to describe it. And she wins the lottery, like some insane payout, like the one that was kind of recently in the news, over a billion dollar payout. And one winner. <laughs> and one winner. And she does something kind of crazy. She moves to this extremely remote location and she has an obsession with the sitcom Three's Company and she recreates the world of Three's Company within <laughs> this like apartment building or this complex. Okay, you're right. And that she, is weird. It's weird. And she lives there alone and she basically wants to retreat to this 
you know, retro 70s nostalgic world because it's simple and it's uncomplicated and, you know, everything wraps up in a half an hour. And it's just kind of the creativity of this author to come up with this world and, you know, to come up with this, like all of the things she does to get to make it like authentic to the 70s. But then, of course, you know, it's not going to like end well. Like you can't go move to some remote location by yourself for years on end and pretend that you're living in Three's Company. So, you know, there's a resolution that happens. So it's it's dark. It's a debut. I thought Is she it was interacting super- with other characters no. in Three's Company? She's just living in the house. And- Good question. Every year she becomes a different one of the characters. So like the first year she's Janet And then the second year, I think she's Chrissy and she's got like a whole wardrobe so that she can become Mrs. Roper. Like, I mean, I don't know how familiar you are with Three's Company. I used to watch it quite a bit. So it's, no, it's really weird and it's really dark and it's bizarre and creative, but really well-written. And (laughs) like, if this is remotely appealing, like I would say, pick it up. I liked it. The end is a little weird. I wasn't crazy about the end. wild. That thing. it's wild. So that's a new release as well. Those are two of the ones that I liked the most. And then I've also read, and I'm about to finish a second one of like kind of like hot summer books and not a fan. And I figure I should mention those too. So the first one is The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich. This is the book about this phenomenon that happens where one morning everyone in the world wakes up and on their doorstep, there's a box and inside the box, there's a, a ribbon. And or a thread and or a piece of string. Yeah. (laughs) And it turns out that the piece of string correlates to how long the rest of your life is going to be, like how many years you have to live. The first half starts out really strong because it's kind of all about like this day that this happens and and the reaction and how people respond to it, the deniers and the people who trust it, the people who do open their boxes, people who don't. And then it kind of devolves into like this sort of political thing where you know, people start using the short stringers for political gain, or, you know, they, they want to, there's discrimination against people who have short strings. I think it's actually just a big allegory for like either racism or COVID. I can't quite figure out like what she was trying to analogize, but it felt like very familiar to like what we're living through right now Mm -hmm. on the one hand. And on the other hand, it was really schmaltzy. Like the characters that she did follow, mostly the support group of people who have short strings. It's just like, I felt like this was such a deep topic and it, I think it was, it felt kind of shallow. Like it felt really schmaltzy and simplified and stuff. So I was pretty frustrated this one with this one by the end. And I know people have loved it. It was a read with Jenna Pick. Tons of people like, are like, oh, this is a great book. I just, I don't know. It did not work for me. So I think I gave it like a three and a half stars. And then the other one I wanted to mention is the one I'm almost done with. So I caveat that I still have maybe 40 pages to go. It's called When We Were Bright and Beautiful by Jillian Madoff. Oh, I was thinking of reading that. Okay. Well, this is about a very, very wealthy family in Manhattan. And the there's three kids. And one of the kids has been accused of rape by his Princeton classmate. So ostensibly, it's a story about this rape. Did it happen? Did it not? He goes on trial. What's going to happen? I don't know yet what happens. But it's told really from the point of view of his sister, who is actually adopted into the family. She's not 
a blood relative. And it's just pretty messed up. Like she has a lot of issues and a lot of them have to do with things that happen in the family and, you know, her relationship with her brothers. But like, I find it impossible to relate to her in any way. Like I just have, I can't, I don't understand her. I can't really, she's like contradicts herself all the time. She's not terribly reliable as a narrator. And I just, I don't know. I can't wait to be done with this book. I really, really have not enjoyed it at all. This was like my, my book of the month pick. So again, this is like another hot book of the summer. It just did not work for me at all. So that's two successes in two that I wasn't as crazy about. And then a few other dishonorable mentions I want to just say on the show, because I think since it's been a while since we talked, I just wanted to give them some props. One is a book called Homestretch by Graham Norton, which is written by an Irish author who happens to be, I had no idea, like a really well-known talk show host. He's like sort of like a Jimmy Fallon type in Ireland, Graham Norton. Mm -hmm. He wrote a family drama that takes place in Ireland, actually takes place in Ireland and New York. And um, again, five stars for me. Like, I'm just really enjoying these, like, family dramas. They are working for me a lot this summer. And it just is about this boy who there's a car accident in the beginning and a couple people are killed in this small town. And the person who was driving the car was this, you know, boy who is about to embark on his life and he disappears. He takes off and just leaves and never comes back. So you follow his story, then you follow back what was going on in the city, in the the town where they left. And then the ultimate, you know, reconciliation that he comes home and, and sort of has been, you know, decades and, and everything that's happened in between. So I really liked that one. And I also want to mention a book called We Do What We Do in the Dark, which is another summer book that came out about a woman in college who has an affair with an older professor, another woman. There's another book of a very similar title for this summer, like Things We Do in the Dark. Don't confuse that with this one. This is called We Do What We Do in the Dark. And this is also a literary fiction, very character-focused story about this relationship and how this relationship with this older woman, you know, affected her for the rest of her life because she was so impressionable and young when it happened. And she's only like 18 or 19. I like that one as well. So just wanted to give props to those two. That's interesting. So the one book that I'm going to mention that I read is called Little Secrets by Jennifer Hillier, but I think it's an older book of hers. And there's another book of hers that came out this summer and it's called Things We Do in the Dark. Oh yeah, that's the other one. So that that might be the other one. So I read Little Secrets and I really enjoyed it. And I read it fairly quickly. It is about A successful woman, she owns three salons, she's married to a wealthy man, they have a happy family. And then one day when she's out in the market in Seattle, her son goes missing. It seems like he's been kidnapped, you know, they don't hear of a ransom note. She is attending these support groups in like the back room of a donut shop with other grieving parents or other parents who have missing children in the world. So... She is kind of at the end of her rope when she discovers that her husband is having an affair and she feels like she's been through it. Everything has happened to her, even though this woman is kind of young, maybe naive, doesn't seem to know that her husband has a wife 
she is intent on like not losing anything else. So this woman has got to go. At first, I didn't know how I was going to feel about the book because, you know, it's her anger seems really misplaced on this young woman, like what her husband has done. You know, he's the one who's responsible and driving the affair. You know, they've drifted apart in their grief. But there are some twists that definitely make you want to figure out, you know, like what is going on? What is the dynamic between the three of them? Is any of this connected to her missing son? You know, who can she trust kind of thing? So I'm still very much in my thriller phase. I really enjoyed this one. So I'm looking for my next one that I'll read by her, you know, maybe not right away. But she has several, like we just mentioned things we do in the dark. And she's just written a lot of um, suspenseful novels. So I really enjoyed the one I read. So I'm going to check out the others. That was the book that I read. We probably have quite a few books to get into. I'm just thinking, is there anything else that we need to talk about before we get into the fall book guide? I just wanted to say to our listeners that I'm sorry that you and I have been so sporadic this summer, and I don't want anyone to misinterpret that as a lack of, you know, sort of commitment to the show. We've just had... Each of us have just had a bunch of things that came up, either health stuff or family stuff or travel or kids or whatever. There's just been stuff going on. This summer has been a lot. (laughs) It's been a lot. So um, we are, you know, committing to getting back to regular recording for the fall. Thanks for sticking with us. Those of you, you know, (laughs) had like dormant readerly report feeds in your whatever your podcast listen app of choice. So thank you for sticking with us and we are we're back. Yes. Thank you very much. Yell's daughter is off to college. Right. (laughs) My situation is clearing up. Hopefully we will have more time in common. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, exactly. And also we've decided that if we're really having trouble finding a mutually, you know, convenient time for us to record, then we're gonna just do some solo shows. Um, so we'll just hopefully have much more content more regularly for you, even if it's just one of us instead of both. All right, Gail, what do you think about the fall schedule of books? Are you excited? Did you find a lot? Are you kind of like, eh? Great question. There's lots of books out by authors I love. So that's always fun when you, someone that you have a good track record with has a new book out. But it was kind of funny that sometimes even the books by authors I loved didn't look that appealing. I had so, that issue. I don't have a lot. Like I did see like, oh, wow, she has a new book. She has a new book. But when I looked, they weren't anything that I was necessarily excited to read right now. Right. Well, so then I have a little mix of stuff. Some new authors and some are veteran authors that I know I like. But yeah, no, I think I found a few. There's a, there's a couple of books here that I feel like I researched them, but I still don't really understand what they're about. So I may just be kind of vague when I describe them and just say, you know, just note the titles, but I won't be able to get into it too much just because I'm not really sure what they're about. Intriguing. Okay. So what's your first book? So my first book is September 6th release, The Marriage Portrait by Maggie O'Farrell. So Maggie O'Farrell is an author I have really enjoyed in the past, uh, both her fiction and her nonfiction. She's just a beautiful writer. And this one um, is historical fiction, which I think is maybe a little different for her. I'm not sure I've ever read anything 
that she has done that was historical fiction in the past. Um, it was that historical fiction? Oh, that might have been too, right. And I didn't read that one. Okay. Um, okay, so she's doing more historical fiction here. Um, it takes place in Re- Renaissance Florence. A young girl named Lucretia is abruptly thrust into royalty when her older sister dies on the eve of her wedding, leaving her to be the terrified replacement. And I also read oh. somewhere that I think that the young girl, the terrified replacement, is maybe also sort of destined for like not a great like uh, like maybe there's a potential that she might die as well. I don't know whether like murder or I don't know what it is, but it sounds like it sounds ominous. Mm-hmm. But I thought that the uh, just the setup sounded really interesting, and I do really enjoy her writing. I just didn't read Hamnet. I heard it was amazing. It just for whatever reason didn't appeal to me. And so I thought maybe I'd sort of see what the reviews were like of this one before I jump in. Isn't Hamnet sort of Shakespearean? I think so. Maybe, yeah. I've heard amazing things about it, too. It wasn't anything that grabbed me, but yeah. now I'm thinking maybe I'll read it. Oh, 1580 Black Death. Okay. Yeah, so that was my first one. Um, Would love to hear, you know, love to see what the response is to it. Okay. So my first one is called tell me an artist by Chelsea Martin. It is um, about a young woman named Joey in art school. I believe in San Francisco, she is escaping a troubled life. She has troubled relationship with her mother and she really wants to be an artist, but she really doesn't feel like she fits in. She has a roommate, Suze, who seems like she's more together. She's dedicated with her art. And of course, she's had the support of very wealthy parents. So while she is trying to figure out and kind of find herself in the art world, she has this project that she has to work on where she decides to do a remake of a Wes Anderson movie. And it's a film that she hasn't seen. The backdrop of this also is that her sister drops her daughter off with her troubled mother and she goes missing. So there's all these questions about like who gets the right to pursue their own life and when do you separate yourself from your family in order to form your own identity. So it's like a coming of age story that seemed, you know, really interesting to me, being that it delves into the art world. Hmm. Okay. And when is that coming out? September twentieth. Okay. Yeah, September seems to be I had five for September and then only three for after September. Yes. Most of mine are for September and towards the end, I added some that were in October, but yeah. All right. So what's next? So my next one is another author. I really like it's Ian McEwen and he has a new book out called lessons. And it is about a man. His name is Roland Baines and the book spans across decades, including historical events such as the Chernobyl disaster, the fall of the Berlin wall and those events align with moments that come out of Roland Baines's life, including some of his early relationships. So it sounds like probably going to be intensely personal the way a lot of his books are. I think about On Chesil Beach. I think about Atonement. These are books I really enjoyed. I love his writing and probably delving into the family and times of one man. The publisher claims that this book is inspired by McEwen's own life. And he says it's not entirely or not even completely autobiographical, but that there are parts of his own life that he has borrowed from for this book as well. Um, isn't that called being an author? 
Yeah, exactly. Like, how does one write a book that does not involve parts of their life? I mean, I guess that one's company book, like, clearly, (laughs) that's one of the things I thought was so admirable about it is like, it was obviously not borrowed from the author's life. But like, it just seems like it would be really hard to. I mean, something like you, it's not like you're taking your life and putting it out there, but it might be like, the experience that you had in college or how you talk about dorm rooms or, you know, you worked a job and met someone. That's really interesting. I was reading about that too. I love Ian McEwan's books. I think the last one that I read was the weirdest one, which is kind of about this in utero baby who is trying to help his father survive like um, attempted murder. Isn't that supposed to be Hamlet? Yeah. So yes, it was based on that. Um, so what they said about this book also is that it is his return to long form, because when you think about it, he writes these almost novella-like novels. You know, they're not short enough to be a novella. So just slightly longer than that, just not really long books. But this one's supposed to be massive. It's like supposed to be 470 pages. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> just thought I'd, you know, throw that in for you. <laughs> right. What's your next one? Just in case you need something to prop up your door. My next one is a book called Runaway by Erin Keene, and it is a memoir of sorts. She is writing about her mother's experience as a runaway. I think she first starts to run away when she's 13, and then she eventually ends up in New York when she's 15, marries a much older man. And it's just talking about, like, I guess the different cultural influences and you know, marrying someone older, how that shapes your upbringing and how it shapes how she raises her daughter. And it's supposed to be really investigative in the way that Erin goes back and she searches in her mother's history just to find the details of how it turned out that she ran away from home and how she ended up in the circumstances that she did. So I don't know, that sounded really good to me. Um, It's coming out September 27th. Okay. My next one is called How Not to Drown in a Glass of Water by Angie Cruz. That was on my list. It was. Or it is. I mean, yeah. Okay, good. Cover it for us. Yeah. This one, it's about a woman's life told through, I believe, like maybe some therapy sessions. So it says over the course of 12 sessions, this woman talks about what's going on in her life. So she's lost her job in her mid-50s. She worked in a factory, and now she's forced back into the job market for the first time in decades. Oh, sorry. It's not a therapy. It's a job counselor. She's set up with a job counselor to help her find a new job. And I guess while she's talking to this counselor, she starts to talk about all kinds of other things, love affairs, her relationship with her sister, her struggles with debt, gentrification and loss, and what really happened between her and her son. So it sounds like it's, you know, a woman in her 50s looking back on her life and trying to understand, you know, various things that happened to her. So that sounds pretty irresistible to me. Yeah. What appeals to you about this one? Well, I've read Dominicana by mm-hmm. Angie Cruz and I really liked it. That was her debut. So when I saw that she had a new one out, I was excited about that. And I just thought that this was like really inventive, you know, like someone who maybe has to go in for these required interviews or to prove that she's looking for a job. And, you know, you start talking about different things and maybe choices that you made. I just thought it was such an interesting frame. Mm-hmm. What so, was Dominicana about? Dominicana was about a very young girl, I think, who moves from the Dominican Republic. Like her parents really 
everyone really wants to come to the United States. So she marries this much older controlling man and she's able to bring her mother over, but it's set in, I want to say the 1960s, because some of it centers around the assassination of Malcolm X. So it's kind of like her coming of age and her just meeting other people and being exposed to different things and just how that shapes her relationship with her husband. Okay. I never read that one, but I wanted to. (laughs) All right. Well, I know I just took one of yours, but what's your next one? That's fine. So my next one is called The Furrows. It's by Namwali Serpel is his name, I think. It is about this young girl, Cassandra. She's 12 and her brother Wayne, he's seven. And one day they're at the beach and she sees him and he just disappears into the water. So he is presumed to have been drowned, but he never, you know, his body is never found. And the family is in grief and they basically disintegrate. Like the father leaves and he starts a life with another, you know, he just starts another life and has a different family. And I think it just kind of wanders through a lot of the memories that people have about this later when Cassandra is older. So my next one is called The Old Place by Bobby Finger. And this is one of those ones that I didn't really, like I kept kind of reading the description and I'm not entirely sure that I truly understood, but it's a, um, a debut novel about a school teacher living in Texas whose decades old secret threatens to come to life and sends shockwaves through the small Texas town. It seems like it was like one of those small town quirky character thing, but it did, usually I don't like ones where they have quirky characters and everyone's like offbeat and zany, but lovable. This one actually seemed a little more substantive than that. And, and, I don't know. Every time I read a description of this book or I saw it on another preview list or anything, it appealed to me. So I don't know much beyond that. I don't know anything about this author. I just think that it sounded good. So I I flagged it. But I don't profess to really know much about it. Okay. So the next book that I am going to talk about is Best of Friends by Camilla Shamsi. And this is about two best friends. Um, They grew up in Karachi and they come from different backgrounds, but they've always gotten along, even though, you know, sometimes their families don't share the same values, but they are split apart by something happens one night and they are not really in contact with each other anymore. And then they both grow up and they live in London and they both become successful women's women of means, you know, who just still have very different paths. And then their past comes back to them when they run into, I feel like they run into two men and it just brings back the past events, which was why they parted in the first place. So it's just all about friendship. And if they can discover and rediscover the friendship that they had, if they face or as they face um, the past and how they're able to build their relationships from there. So I didn't read Home Fire. I have wanted to read Home Fire. So in my nature of collecting books by people that I want to read and not quite reading them, I will probably check out and read the best of friends first. And it comes out um, September 27th. Yeah, it did look really good. Uh, I like the fact that it's a friendship story, but not 
necessarily told from an American perspective, you know, like it, that it didn't, I don't know. I did looked, I liked it a lot, but again, I haven't read um, home fire, so I don't have really any precedent for it. Okay. So my next one, we're starting to get into October now. So this is October 18th. For some reason I wrote November, uh, September 18th, but then I stuck it under October. So I'm assuming that this is October. This is a repeat author for me. It's signal fires by Danny Shapiro. So she's kind of best known now for her memoir inheritance about discovering that the man that she thought was her father turns out was actually not her blood father was that she had a, another, you know, her DNA was actually contributed by somebody else. And I'm kind of delving into the mystery of that because this happened a long time ago before that was kind of as common as it is now. Um, but she is also a fiction writer and I have read a lot of books of by her, or at least a couple um, that, you know, some many years ago, maybe even before I was blogging, but I, I always had known her as a fiction writer before I discovered her memoir. So she's come back to fiction with this one. And the only description I know is a car crash reverberates through several families, transforming a community for years to come. Seems to be a common theme. That was kind of the premise of the book that I talked about at the beginning of the show, um, Homestretch. This one's called Sig Signal Fires. She's probably an auto buy for me. So um, I will definitely pick this one up. So the next book on my list is short stories, which, you know, my track record with short stories, they can be rather hit or miss. But what I really do like in short stories is when they are more linked stories. So almost like chapters of a novel or just about different people in a different neighborhood or um, living in the same town, or maybe it's like point of view of people who are friends and you get to see the different perspectives. So things like that I'm really into. So this next book is called, If I Survive You, it's by Jonathan Scoffery. And it is about a family that in the 1970s, um, leave Jamaica to go to Miami because there's lots of political violence in their hometown of Kingston. So they go to America or the United States, Miami in particular, believing all of these things about what the country is going to have to offer and who they will now get to be in the country. But of course, they are challenged at every turn by just the different things they go through, whether they're struggling with financial disaster, you know, bad weather, racism, bad luck. And it is told um, through the different perspectives of this family. And um, it focuses in particular on this family's youngest son and his relationship to his son and how it's not as good as it wants to be and the things that have impacted him and just who he is as a person and as a father. So I'm really looking forward to these. I mean, it sounds like a different and interesting perspective to explore. And like I said, link short stories for me are just more tangible and enjoyable than the ones that are a little bit more random. Okay, so my next one is, I think, the only nonfiction I have on here. And it is the memoir, the upcoming memoir from Matthew Perry, who played Chandler on Friends. Um, this is coming out November 1st. So I'm already getting into November. For me, I didn't 
find a lot in October other than the Danny Shapiro one. So I'm, I'm already into November here. Um, I was flying home from Europe a couple, like last week. And I was, there was a very, very wide selection of things to watch on the, um, on the plane. And one of them was the friends reunion, which I'd actually watched the first half of, and then just never picked up again. So I just watched the whole thing again. And I just was like completely wrapped for like, two hours. And part of it is I was, you know, on an airplane and nothing else to do, but, um, I just am so intrigued by the, the actors on that show and the experience of being on that show. And, you know, Matthew Perry is obviously the one with who seems to have had kind of the most troubled life since, you know, obviously there's been addiction in his life and he also like didn't look great during the reunion. Like he clearly has been through some stuff. So I'm really intrigued to read this one. It says in an extraordinary story that only he could tell Matthew Perry takes readers onto the soundstage of the most successful sitcom of all time, while opening up about his private struggles with addiction, candid, self-aware and told with his trademark humor. Perry vividly details his lifelong battle with the disease and what fueled it despite seemingly had it all having it all. And he definitely is, you know, a very entertaining actor. So I'm excited to read that one. So next up on my list is a book by an author called Yi Yun Lee. And this is called The Book of Goose. And I love stories about writers and the writing experience. So this is about, this is a little different. This is about two friends, two best friends who grow up. One is very quiet and one is a little bit um, more outgoing and they grow up in the French countryside and what happens is in the beginning of the novel Fabienne, one of the friends is dead and Agnes is now free to tell a story that's different than the one that was created by the two of them because when these two friends were growing up Fabienne would tell stories and Agnes would write them down and you know Agnes went on to um to experience fame and just a, a completely different life from what she had grown up to experience. And she's able to do this because of these stories that she writes with her friends, but it says, it, you know, it's like there's darkness and compulsion and obsessiveness also in this story. So I think that we will get a different perspective of what it was like um, writing these stories. It seems heavily implied that Anya's, uh, was telling Fabienne's story and, you know, it'll be interesting to discover exactly what is the truth between these two friends. Now that one feels like she can live fully, um, fully as herself at the other's death. Okay. All right. My next book, also November one is called Meredith Alone by Claire Alexander. And it's about a woman who's very reclusive. She's got a full-time remote job, rescue cat. She's got occasionally people who visit her, but she doesn't really leave her place very much. She's got an online support group, jigsaw puzzles and recipes, internet, grocery delivery, et cetera. Sounds kind of familiar for anyone who lived through the pandemic. Um, but she's also got memories of an unstable childhood, estrangement from her sister, and a traumatic event that sent her reeling kind of reminds me a little bit of the Three's Company book. Uh, but something's about to change. Whether she likes it or not, the world is coming to her door. Does she have the courage to overcome what's been keeping her inside? 
So I don't know if this will be like super dark the way I felt like three's comp that one's company one was, or what was the one about? I'm going to blank on the name. The one about the woman who has, uh, she might be autistic and she has had a lot of trauma in her life and she lives by herself. I'm sure as soon as we finish recording, I'll immediately remember what it is. Um, but this one just kind of feels like maybe it won't be quite as dark as some of those other ones, but I kind of like the premise of it. Okay. So my, my last book that I'm going to talk about is by Lori Lico Albanese and it's called Hester, a novel. And if you can't tell by the title, it is a retelling of, it's a retelling of the Scarlet Letter. It is said that the Scarlet Letter was based possibly on a young woman that Nathaniel Hawthorne met and it inspired him to write the Scarlet Letter. So this kind of weaves in the story of this woman that Hawthorne supposedly met. In this story, she is Isabel Gamble and she's a seamstress who is coming to the United or the New World with her husband from Scotland in the early 1800s and he's an apothecary. He becomes addicted to opium. So long story short, when they get to um, their destination, he runs off and leaves her there. So she has to make her way um, as best she can. You know, she doesn't have any money when he goes and she's just forced to make her own way. And she meets a man called Nathaniel Hawthorne. And, you know, it's said that he's, of course, kind of haunted about his relatives who were a part of the Salem witch trials. And, you know, he's just like kind of drawn to her innocence and her story and they, they grow closer. So it's kind of about how she comes and how she adjusts to the world and how their friendship evolves and how he ends up, I guess, being inspired to write The Scarlet Letter. And it says that the author has done a whole bunch of research so that this should be um, really close to, I guess, how the story developed. It says it's meticulously researched and evocatively imagined. And you know that I cannot resist a good retelling, whether it's retelling of the actual story or retelling um, the history and how the uh, the author wrote the story. I love stories like that. Okay. That sounds like something you would like. Yeah. No, just like the kind of mystery element to it. I have only one left that worked out nicely. Okay. So mine comes out November 18th and it is called We All Want Impossible Things by Catherine Newman. And another friendship story about two women who've been friends for over 40 years. And one of them has cancer, is dying of uh, ovarian cancer. And so it's all about their relationship and how they are there for each other during this, you know, what's going to be the end of their friendship because one of them is going to die. But um, it just sounds like it's a very poignant but realistic and I think also at times funny story about these two best friends and how they relate to each other over the challenges of their lives. 
This one I've heard about like a while ago, and I think I tried to get my hands on a review copy of it, but I wasn't able to do so. So I'll have to wait for November for this one. Comment um, and let us know what you think. Happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at nicolebonia.com and me, Gail, at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks.